Hi, everybody, and welcome back to our Night Stairwell. It's a movie podcast. I'm Autumn. I'm joined, as always, by Nia. Hi, I'm Neve. And we watched so many movies, guys. Oh, Man. I watched so much Gundam. <laughs> you weren't even going to do my bit. <laughs> you said, fuck off, Autumn. <laughs> I, I think I had watched, like, a couple, like, maybe one or three or something, you know, in that range of Victory Gundam last time we recorded. Um I am on episode, like I watched episode thirty five today. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm also watching Gundam Wing right now. Um, also watching uh, Witch for Mercury that started after we last recorded uh, the 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 new core of it. Um, and uh, you know, obviously, still plugging away with Iron Blooded Orphans and Sea Destiny. And I watched uh, SD Gundam, the the Mark One one that at the time wasn't Mark One, but is now commonly referred to as Mark One. Well, uh. putting our cards on the table, uh, I have read the first Red Wall book. I read um, the the Book of Three, which we're going to do on Ars Arcanum soon. Um, I'm about halfway through uh, Dragons of Autumn Twilight, the first uh, Dragonlance Chronicles book. I'm about halfway through The Count of Monte Cristo, which is a big-ass book. Uh, that one's good. That's the best of these. Uh, if you're going to yeah. read one of these books, if you're going to read one of these books, I guess read Redwall, because that's like, you know, a children's book. <laughs> yeah, but, but um, like a pretty decent one and is, you know... Yeah, but if you're gonna if you if you're gonna read one book and you want it to be a big meaty motherfucker, uh, Count of Monte Cristo, you can't do much better than that. Yeah, um, I did have a lot of fondness for for Dragonlance as a kid. Um, so I read uh, that, well, and then my dad was like, "You should read The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings," and I did. And then I was like, "Oh, what's what's this Tolkien guy pulling from?" And then I never left mythology and sagas and classics. <laughs> so I I um. I actually have not read any Dragonlance. Nora's the Dragonlance person mm. in the family, but I did. So when I was very young, like first through fourth grade, I was really into fantasy books, and then I fell off. And in the for I fell off reading entirely for like two years there ish, yeah. and my mom in trying to get me back in just went to the half price books and bought like a shit ton of fantasy paperbacks. And that was like the summer between sixth and seventh grade. This is how I read like 15 Drizzt books, but not in any order because they were all different, like trade dresses on these. Some of them had numbers and some of them didn't. And so I was like flipping through like back matter in these books. Cause this was like, before you could just Google, like, Drizzt reading order, and so I just had all these fucking books, and <laughs> I was just reading Drizzt out of order, uh, which is a great great way to read Drizzt. I wish I could be this normal now and just uh, accept that, like, like the, um, the Elric books I have are in chronological in-universe, not in publication order, and I have been intensely just, like, Fuck this. I hate this. I'm going to, when Nora and I do podcasts about Elric, we're going to like reconstruct publication order uh, in this really stupid way that I'm excited about. Uh, I wish I could reclaim the, the magic of being 12 and not caring that much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and just liking my Drizzt books. 
Yeah. Um, I had like the big annotated copies of the Dragonlance Chronicles, like the the original. Nora, Nora's got. I've got it right here. Let me look. There is one piece of advice in it that I, because I read through the books and then I enjoyed them, so I read through the the like annotated special one or whatever. Um, and there was one piece of advice advice that uh, like was very basic, but just for like me as a kid, it like, uh, you know, lighted on something in my mind, and I I still think of it. I forget the exact wording, but it was basically, um, it was like around a scene where the the you know, the sun is rising in the east and, you know, or like setting in the west or whatever. Um, and mm. it's like the normal earth thing. And the little like annotation was like, um, when you're like doing a fantasy setting, you don't need to like change every single thing, like change the things that matter to like the story that you're trying to tell. Like mm-hmm. if there's a thing that it, if it's like significant to your world and it's going to be like a, a thing that's going to change and make the world like distinctly different, like maybe it changes how like uh deities arose because you have two sons. And so now there's going to be like two sun gods and there'll be myths around that that are like distinct from the way that like, you know, normal like worlds we exist in. Um, mm-hmm. Like that there'll be like one sun God and then maybe a moon God and you'll have myths around that. Um, and that's because of just like the way that our world is. So like, don't change the thing unless it's like meaningful to do it. If you're writing fantasy, don't be like the sun rises in the North here, unless there's like some importance to that. So, um, and it is something that stuck with me because I do sometimes read fantasy books too. And I'm like, why the fuck are you changing this? You don't, <laughs> this means nothing in your world. You're just trying to make it weird. <laughs> um, so, for what it's worth, Nora's got um, the collector's edition. These are big, beefy, like Stormlight Archive sized um, trade paperbacks. Um, and she's got one for Dragonlance Chronicles and one for um, the the twins books that follow up the Dragonlance Chronicles. Um, which I just noticed these still have TSR on the, on the spine here. These don't have wizards of the coast. They say TSR, which is incredible. Um, and it's also nice because she's mentioned those annotated editions to me a couple times. And now I'm like, ah, I can just file that away and get, uh, get (laughs) that can just be a birthday present or a Christmas present at some point. Like, you know, (laughs) nobody Um, tell Nora, she doesn't listen to this podcast. So, and she's, in the other room, she might have heard me say it. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> um, I should I should see if I can find it. Uh, I I have a um like dice pouch that is TSR, not Wizards of the Coast. Oh, nice, um, nice. And I have it around somewhere, but um, oh yeah, that's the um uh other thing we should mention real quick. We are recording remotely. Mm-hmm. Um. <clears throat> I've been a little sick this week. You've been a little sick this week. Yeah, I um, I don't know if I've been sick or if I've had like allergies, but like Emily has been extremely sick. She took two days off of work, um, and she has been mostly isolating in the bedroom, um, and uh, I'm sleeping on the sofa. Uh, like when she like leaves the bedroom, she has her like mask on and will like you know come out to the kitchen to mm-hmm. get water or something. Um, most of me seeing Emily in the last like week has been like bringing food into her. 
Um, yeah. And then watching it, uh, our child primarily solo. Um, the last two nights, uh, Emily's helped out a little bit with bedtime. Um, cause she's been feeling better, but, uh, yeah. And so far, you know, knock on wood, uh, it has kept me from, uh, getting really sick like she did. So, um, I don't know. I, yeah, I don't know what's been going on because Tuesday, Wednesday, I was afflicted with the same sickness that Emily, um, has been afflicted with. I luckily bounced back better. Nora has not gotten it yet, despite us taking very few precautions. Not none, but very few. Uh, And so, just with, you know, Nora has not gotten sick yet, you know, with there being uncertainty, I was like, well, let me not get Nora sick. Let me not, like, you know, on Mm. the chance that, like, Emily and I had something different or whatever. Yeah. um, Let me just not like do that so we're recording remotely which is a little bit of a bummer also just bummed that we missed a recording last week um i posted about this in the discord um i was in a really bad work situation i don't want to get into to details here but um like you know i was in working conditions that were not compliant with like you know Rule one, article one, section one of like OSHA's code for like what workplaces need to have to like be allowed to stay open. We were not, you know, at that sort of most basic functional level. We were supposed to record last Sunday and I was having a really hard time with like things at work was asking me to do. And I like left at like three in the afternoon and I had to be back at five the next morning and I was supposed to record stairwells that evening. And I was just like, man, I was not in an emotional state. <laughs> I went to, I don't need to tell everybody the whole story, but I was not in an emotional state to record stairwells last week. So thank you everybody for um, understanding, being chill about that. Uh, I apologize. We We will hopefully, you know. I feel like us staying on schedule has been more of a struggle in 2023 and uh, everybody's just been very kind to us about that. So thank you. Yeah. Um, I feel like I was having kind of a bad mental health day where I would have recorded, but uh, I didn't mind not having a record. It would have been yeah, nice to like hang the... out, but um, yeah. Yeah. You were in the a state I'm very familiar with, like where... I'm not unwell enough to record, but I'm going to feel terrible after we finish, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to crash so hard. <laughs> yeah. Um, I am going to, next weekend, um, leave to... This is next weekend, right? This week has also been weird because I've been having to do, like, mm-hmm. a bunch of stuff for work to prep for a big meeting. Um there's like a whole new document that we have to do. That's so much more involved. Um, and it just takes more work to do, but also there's like ways in which it's breaking stuff out so much that it does make it like slightly easier to think through, which is nice. Um, Uh but it, it does take just like more work. Um, and I, my, my big hope with it is that it's not just something that like our reviewers use. And then it kind of just like maybe gets like, quote unquote archived but like people aren't looking at it i hope that like the next time somebody comes to the same products that i'm working they are looking at this because the the thing that's good about the document is that it's like very clearly uh in a way that i think my company has not done before not only like documenting what we did but like the intentions behind why we're doing it things that we learned 
ideas that we had for next time that we're not like pursuing right now because oh we want to see how well this performs first or whatever uh all of that stuff will be like if i got that stuff right now it would make the start of my job so much easier than it is so i do hope it mm. just becomes like the the doc- documents that will be a legacy thing so that people know what work was done and like what's worth doing and what's not and all of that but um yeah uh but that has also just been part of it so i've like lost my sense of of uh time but yeah yeah, i I think next so yeah next weekend i'm gonna be going out of town for a little bit um it's disrupting uh around the long fire i think for for puton we're just gonna record two because that is so short so we'll just like record two in one night um and then we figured out for next week where we can record where I don't have to like yeah. record and then we, wake up at like six to go to the airport. So we have a plan to record stairwells and I'm going to do everything I can to make sure that plan is stuck to, but like, you know, just I'm, I'm, I'm truly, I'm not making guarantees just because like my work situation has been so over the top bad and just like, I feel like I just never know lately, but we we have a plan for stairwells to be out next week. So uh, hopefully the 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 trip will not disrupt that. And I hope you enjoy your trip. Yeah. Uh, um, gonna gonna like super mask the fuck up. No mask off at all on the plane. Uh, I think that's like the biggest danger. You okay? There's a library right next to to where I live. Um, and you and your toddler stopped by that library yesterday or two days ago and i stopped in to say hello and they give um, me i needed a, a a needle and syringe to do my injection uh that i couldn't yeah. go get because uh emily was sick so yeah uh you you were checking out books and i was uh drawing with your toddler and they very excitedly informed me uh Autumn, when I go to the airport, I'm going to wear two masks because everybody's sick at the airport, so I got to be extra safe. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. It's incredibly funny. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, the the one thing is, like, I feel like this podcast gets messed up sometimes, and partially it's just that... Uh, there's not a lot of like turnaround room for this one. Um, and there's not a lot of like opportunity to do pickup stuff because we usually mm. record Sundays. Um, that's like what ends up working best for both of our schedules is we watch the movie Friday and we record Sunday. Um, and I can't do Monday cause I have to drive in the- to work the next day. I can't do like a long podcast. Um, and then like Tuesday and Wednesday, I, I have podcasts, so mm-hmm. um, that's also part of it. Uh, this has been so much admin stuff at the top. You want to talk about yeah. some movies? We should talk about some movies. <laughs> you want to talk? Tell me about Shrek the Third. Oh yeah, I watched Shrek the Third yesterday, which Nora and I have not podcasted about yet, but we will be doing. Uh, pardon my franchise. Um, but I. I'll talk a little more about Shrek the Third than I usually talk about franchise movies on here because I haven't talked about it yet, so I don't feel uh, exhausted of it. And I'll say that Shrek the Third gets a bad rap. Um, is Shrek the Third a good movie? No, not necessarily. But is it a bad movie? No, not necessarily. 
Um, it's sort of like trying to do the formula, but the formula has just lost some of that like energy. But yeah. if you're watching all of these like so back to back, like we've been, I don't think it uh, bothers you in the same way that like like Shrek to being such this massive massive success. And then you come back for Shrek 3 and it doesn't have that same energy. I think it felt like a huge letdown at the time. I think if you're just watching these movies uh, <laughs> 15 years later, you're like, okay, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> um, Justin Timberlake is terrible in Shrek the Third. I'm not that surprised. Uh, I think he gives such a... I think he drags that... I think part of the reason that the movie doesn't work is that like halfway through Shrek one, they introduce Fiona and Cameron Diaz. I was critical of her, but she at least brings a certain like thing. The movie needs to make it not such like a bro down. Mm -hmm. um, and then Shrek two brings in Puss in Boots. And it's like, actually, no, what we really need is the bro down. Um, Puss in Boots brings like the energy that Shrek two needs uh, and filling that role in this movie is, is Justin Timberlake, and uh, he just doesn't have it. He doesn't have it. The, Justin Timberlake, no Antonio Banderas, it turns out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who would have foreseen this? Um, it is what it is. Do you um, stairwells ratings? Also, just the needle drops, not... The needle oh, drops yeah. don't hit. Yeah. Like, I, I'll get it's into more detail on that on franchise, so... Yeah. Stairwells? Uh, stairs? Uh, um, I'll give it a B. There's some nice stairs in the palace that they go to. There's some, there's some nice stairs. It's just not, like, you know, used that well. But they're good enough. I'll give it a B. Mm -hmm. You know? I probably should give it a C, but, like, I'm generous. I'm gonna give it a B. Yeah. Move kindness in your heart. Yeah. Um, shall I talk about some movies? Hit me. So I grouped together the two anime. Uh, this is a joke. One of them is not an anime at all. Uh, obviously pulling from like longer history of stuff. Uh, but does it is over the top in the way that like I expect from anime. Uh, so, but I'll I'll do the actual anime first, which is the disappearance of Haru's Suzumiya. I think I watched this like literally the day after we recorded last time, so it's been a while since I've seen it. Um, I don't remember. I remember that I think that there were stairs, and I probably said stairs multiple times. Um, <laughs> but uh, I don't remember what they were. Um, overall, it's like extremely in this vein of. Um, like Shinkai in particular, I think is a, a person who does a lot of this uh, style of thing. Um, you know, there's all the stuff going on right now. Uh, I think it's yeah uh, with with Suzumi, uh, the like his new movie. Um, but there's like this style of anime movie that's like you know this supernatural love story between a, a boy and a girl. And, you know, there's some sort of like thing going on with the supernatural aspect. And, uh, the whole thing comes down to just like, somebody needs to admit their feelings or, um, you know, whatever, like little normal 
teen emotion thing that you would have with a relationship. But then also they just Mm -hmm. become like uh, entirely fixated on their own weird, like supernatural world rules and stuff um, in a way that just like really grates on me for some reason. Um, People can go listen to when I watch the, the original movie fireworks, should we see them from the side or the bottom? Um, And then I also watch the, the anime adaptation that was much later. Um, And the original one is like, Obviously, in this kind of uh, high school romance, like uh, there is this sort of supernatural element where you see two different versions of events, um, and there's like something that might like allow the main character to turn back time, but it's not like focused on the mechanics of that. Um, it's far more interested in showing you those two like div- diverging paths. And to, to show that, like, even in the one where the, the boy does the things to, like, go with the girl uh, and all of that, he's still, like, too hung up on the idea of her as, like, a, a romantic conquest or, like, a, you know, romantic interest. Um, and it's not, like, mm-hmm. emotionally equipped to actually deal with the, the like problems that she is facing and so they just like have a nice day but then she goes home still um and there's like a in a a way that's like easy to miss there's like a certain sadness in that that like oh yeah you like did this other path where you like get to be with her briefly uh at the very least and maybe a relationship can start out of that but also like you didn't substantially help her in any way about like the reason why she wanted to run away from home or anything like that Mm. um the anime movie uh, just doesn't understand what I thought was actually good about that movie. Um, and goes in this, like really emphasizing the whole, like, uh, being able to set back time and blah, blah, blah. But then by setting back time, you're like destroying the world in the process. And you really need to just like go to this one moment and then just like do this one thing differently to just be honest with her about how you feel or, you know, um, and like, I just like, roll my eyes at that for for some reason i still haven't watched your name and i'm you know i know people love it and i assume i'm gonna roll my eyes at it um and the disappearance of uh haru suzumiya is like kind of one of these it's like uh the main character kyon or like the focal character i guess the the perspective character throughout the show wakes up to a world where uh haruhi's not there at the school and like nobody even remembers her um and then is like trying to figure out why and uh you know tries to like find her and get things back together and blah 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 and it's supposed to be kind of like romantic and i feel like it uh is helped by the fact that it's like kind of about the whole group of them being together and not just about like i want to be with this one girl um that made me Mm -hmm. enjoy it more than a lot of movies like this um but i felt like it still had the same pitfalls of like uh, this kind of sentimentality that like isn't quite working for me. Um, and this like over focus on in a way that Haruhi in general kind of does, but it just becomes especially grating when it becomes like, Oh, Kion has to admit that he loves Haruhi or whatever. Uh, which the sh- for the show is just the thing. It, it uh, like humorously almost like lampoons as a thing that doesn't matter. Um, and then the movie seems to think uh-huh. that it matters a lot. Um, so 
uh yeah in general i just i i was a little down on it which is i described the like experience of going to rate it is like i go and i see all of my friends who have like rated at five stars and have written like multiple paragraph heartfelt uh reviews about like what this movie means to them and the way that it moved them and then i guess i'm like yeah three and a half stars (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so i feel a little bad that i didn't like enjoy it but it's just i like the show the best part of the show um and the show is still not I don't even think I like it as much as like um, M or, or some of my other friends. Um, Cause there's just a lot of episodes that don't really work for me, but the endless eight uh, series of episodes is, are fucking incredible. They, they did eight uniquely animated beach episodes um, with like different storyboarding and like composition and everything. Um, it's like a, a class in what we mean when we talk about how like the aesthetics of a thing are so much different than like hearing someone talk about a movie on a podcast or whatever, because the, mm-hmm. the basic plot for every episode is almost identical. You can maybe describe the slight differences. Um, and so much of the like dialogue is the same, but like it is just directed and animated and everything differently. And that means that different episodes have like different effects that like, the way that characters are animated means that like, or even just the way that they are framed. Like there's one where you get a lot of really far away shots of everybody um, and the way that other ones don't. And it just makes everyone seem resigned to like being stuck in this. Uh, There's the part where like Haruhi leaves at the end and everybody just knows that it's going to like repeat. And the fact that it's like so far away, just like drives home, like everyone being like, Kion, you like fucked it up again in the way that like different framing (laughs) doesn't. And it's, like you, you can't, you can't like fully replicate what it means to just go and watch something and all of the choices that go into like, how do you visually represent something? Um, and so seeing like the same episode, but with eight different takes is really incredible. Um, mm-hmm. so like though endless eight is like the big thing that I like from it. Uh, and then the rest of Haruhi, I'm like, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> um, so it yeah, sounds like don't maybe it stairs. falls under uh I think the the two of us sometimes um grate pretty hard against like why is every anime story set in a high school? Can I get mm. can I get a story about some fucking adults? It, yeah. <laughs> is is that part of the issue for you? Um it's a little bit that um I mean that's something that especially grates at me with like this style of like movie broadly, this like anime supernatural romance um, is like the focus on like uh teenage romance as like the er romance that like um is like big and life shattering and things in a, in a way that like, I'm just always going to like the thing that is going to be more about like, what happens when you are an adult and you just have to like be in a relationship with a person, uh, that I'm, I'm always going to find so much more fascinating than just like, uh, you have to work up the courage to ask the cute girl at high school out for a date or whatever. I'm like, I've seen this so many fucking times. Um, so I think that's part of it. Um, and I think also like, there's just a certain tone that exists in Haruhi that uh, I think it does better than other anime of its kind. Uh, But that's also just like this kind of humor that uh, sometimes works for me. And sometimes it's like very hit or miss. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, And I think in, in some ways because of how much it's like 
specifically being meta about like otaku tropes um like just like really being hyper aware of uh you know kudere as like a a character type or whatever and it's like playing into that uh and sometimes it can kind of work but i feel like haruhi does it better than some uh but sometimes i'm like mm. Mm. it like at times haruhi feels too much like an anime about watching anime um and that's why endless eight is so great because endless eight is like why does watching why do you people watch anime where so much of it is repetitious uh <laughs> <laughs> where you are just watching the same fucking like tournament arc story over and over again um and some of it is just like yeah you just like get different things out of the way that something is animated or whatever like that's the actual thing that people care about and they don't talk about it and that's why everyone thinks that endless eight is dumb and stupid and you know they they stole content from the audience or whatever it's because they don't understand that like this is an like endless eight is anime that's what anime is (laughs) (laughs) there are exceptional things like utena but if you just watch a lot of anime um and especially just like a lot of the seasonal like shonen shoujo stuff um there's so much repetitious stuff. Um, you know, Utena yeah. is a thing that's about the repetition and like uh, really exploring it in a way that I think is more fascinating. But um, yeah, that's why Endless 8 is great. But there's other stuff where I'm just like, eh, yeah, like this plot line isn't just working for me. And I, I just have to like watch three episodes of it now. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And then occasionally there'll be like a really good bit, like the the murder mystery one where at the end they do the Phoenix Wright uh, courtroom scene with all the animations. Uh, and that's fucking yeah. fun. That's good. <laughs> so hit or miss for me. Um, but I know a lot of people love it. And I, you know, I had a fine time watching through Haruhi, but um, I think I did like four stars for the series and three, three and a half for, for the movie. Um, <laughs> and I don't remember the stairs. I'm assuming it That's was at least. Fine. Oh, there's one part that I thought was very funny. I called it the Yazawa Eye Special, uh, where I paused it and um, they had just very clearly taken a photo of like some dumpsters behind a high school and applied filters to it to make it look like anime. <laughs> and they apply more filters to try and make it look more like anime than yuzawa i does yuzawa i is just like uh i did it just so it will print easily as black and white (laughs) right Um, there's like the there's the irio asano approach of like i took these pictures and then i like drew over them uh and then there's yuzawa i who's just like i put my pictures in the book (laughs) Mm -hmm. um Uh, we stand anyway uh, so like after we recorded last time, um, that the next day, Friday, I, uh, went on a train to Michigan cause, uh, I think as we probably mentioned in the last one, um, Emily was out of town with our kid, uh, in Michigan and I, I went for the weekend then, uh, and spent most of the time at my parents, um, and uh sometimes during downtime like at night and stuff when people are like going to sleep uh emily and i just like slowly watch through rrr i think we watch it in like three chunks because it's a, a fairly long movie um and uh it was a lot of fun um it's extremely over the top um there's also like a lot of like uh sudden swing uh, swings and like reveals around characters and stuff that kind of made it fun watching it in like three chunks because then it's just like spending a whole day being like 
why is one of the main characters just like this shitty? And then like realizing the reason why he's doing all of this stuff to like, you know, try and help fund his like, uh, you know, basically to try to like rise through the ranks of the, the like, uh, British, uh, like, you know, whatever the police forces that they've, they had, um, in that region. Uh, he's like trying to rise through the ranks to, to get, uh, you know, uh, basically steal a whole bunch of firearms to then take back to his village so that they can like fight back. Um, and he is going to like start having these, uh, crises of faith around, like I am like oppressing the people that I'm trying to, to free by like stealing these, by, uh, choosing to like be a part of the system to rise to the ranks and get the opportunity to steal the weapons. Um, and so that's good. But there was just like a day where it's just like, why is one of the main characters just the fucking police for the, the British, like officers like <laughs> um <laughs> and then it, we're like playing it as like a buddy thing where he is like friends with the other guy who's just cool um but yeah it's it's fucking ridiculous um like very enjoyable um and i i you can see when you watch it that this is the most expensive film ever made in india uh there's so much visual effects going on there's a lot of animation uh in the like mm-hmm. kind of marvel we're basically animating with people stuff um mm-hmm. but also it's just like more charming because um instead of it being like for disney owned characters it's for two like historical revolutionary figures but they're like doing a sick fight where uh one of them's on a horse and the other one's on a motorcycle and they're like jumping around and like you know shooting flaming arrows into british soldiers or whatever it's just more fun in that way where um it worked a little bit more for me than like a marvel movie does yeah Um, for sure for sure but i i also felt like oh i also understand why this like really hit in the u.s because this is uh well in many ways, like being more uh, extra and over the top and ridiculous than like an MCU movie would allow itself to be. Um, there's also ways in which like the the type of movie they're making is very much in that same Hollywood mold. Um, I think that same modern uh, Hollywood movie mold. So um, with just the way that they handle like action and special effects and everything. Um some great musical numbers though. Um, and yeah, the, the fight scenes are ridiculous. So, uh, I recommend it. It's, it's enjoyable. Um, um, we're extremely I, late to the party on this, but yeah. that's fine. And I'm, and I'm positive <laughs> that the stairs are like ass. I can't like remember ones to describe, but I do remember they were just fantastic stairs and cause it's like people like doing, you know, stunts, stunts a lot of a lot of special like computer special effects happening here uh it's not the same as like jackie chan but like stunts on like elaborate uh you know the the british came in and like took whatever uh most elaborate like uh fancy building existed or maybe built their own um and then you've got people like flipping down them or whatever so Mm -hmm. um um, so, I have a movie. <laughs> yeah, tell me about this one. You told me about it uh, before you had finished it, and it sounded like you were having a bad time, and then you finished it, and it sounded like you enjoyed it. Uh, yeah, okay. 
so I watched what ha- what happened was this is a 1994 uh, movie directed by Tom Noonan. Um, Tom Noonan. Um, let me take one of these headphones off so I stop shouting into the microphone. Tom Noonan. I think probably if you're listening to this podcast, you know him as the guy what played um, uh, the Red Dragon in Manhunter. Um, he was also uh, Kane in RoboCop 2. Um, he plays, uh, I believe, that is um, Philip Seymour Hoffman's understudy in Synecdoche, New York, um, if I'm remembering character names correctly. Uh, Tom Noonan, good actor. I believe this is his only directorial uh, movie. Could be wrong about that. Um, <clears throat> and this is... The story of two um, two people who work at this law firm. I should back up just ever so slightly and say this is adapted from a play that Noonan um, did, um, <clears throat> wrote and performed in and directed. Um, and you can tell because so it's um, these two people who work at a law firm um get together for a first date it's at her apartment and so the whole thing sort of takes place more or less in real time um in her apartment it's kind of all in one set here um and so you get a lot of just like it's just a movie about actors acting ideally it's a movie about that and at the end it becomes a movie about that but i think for the first hour ish of this movie um it gets bogged down in like tone problems i think so the date is super duper awkward it is it is it is two people who have a lot of struggles with like social skills um failing to relate to one another (laughs) in a big way and like a, a large part of like what the movie is about is that these two people are not very good with social skills. Um, but it does sort of just mean that you spend an hour watching people just like misunderstand each other and have long, awkward pauses. And it just doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. It's just kind of not that interesting. And if there was a sort of like, there's not like the conflict that arises of it there's the conflict that's sort of bubbling under the surface of it but there's not a conflict that sort of comes up out of them misunderstanding each other and i felt like the way the movie like was described i thought it was going to be a little bit of a melodrama and it's so underplayed it is it is so like muted until until so he's telling her about how he's writing this book about um he's been like you know secretly recording conversations at the office and he's going to expose the dark and seedy underbelly of like you know law firms and she's like oh see i always see you take notes and um i i was attracted to you because i thought you were a writer too i'm a writer and he's like oh really what do you write and she's like i write children's stories and he's like well why don't you read me um they're like finally connecting a little bit and he's like well go on read me one of your like stories for kids and she's like a little embarrassed about it but he's like no 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 go ahead and read it for me 
And so she takes him. She's got this like room behind the curtains. First of all, she's got like a studio apartment, but it's like a big studio apartment. And early in the movie, he's like, where's your bed? And she's like, oh, the couch just folds out. That's where I sleep. When she goes to read this um, uh, story to him, she takes him like behind these curtains that have kind of been there, but not really like noticeable in a big way. And it's like, oh, there's definitely space for like a bed behind these curtains. But instead, what you have is like a trunk where you keep your stories you have your collection of uh, of creepy dolls. You have a, like, doll house that is really weird. And you've got a window into your, like, neighbor's apartment. And your neighbor is just watching porn. Um, <laughs> uh, and so she starts to read the story to him. And this is a story for children, quote unquote. And she's like... <clears throat> Once upon a time, there was a little girl, and her parents died in a horrible, horrible car crash. Dad was decapitated, and Mom's guts went all over the road. She was adopted by um, the family that lived at the house next to where the car crash happened, but her new family was no good. Her very mean father raped her every day. Um, <laughs> and this this goes on. For like 10 minutes of just, this is a 90 minute movie and like a solid 5 to 10 minutes of the movie is just her telling this extremely graphic story. (laughs) And the movie, the movie finds the energy it needed in a huge way. (laughs) Um, and, and so then, uh, it is just good. It's just absolutely the best part of this movie. It comes out of nowhere, and I'm kind of sorry for, like, spoiling it for people, but it is, like, the only part of this movie that's worth watching, uh, I think. Because then from there, I think the movie does stick the landing more or less, but, um, it doesn't... So, so what ha- what happens from there is that basically, like, they go back out into the living room... And, like, they almost fuck, but they don't. And he's like, oh, I didn't realize this was a date. Because, once again, he's bad at social skills. And she gives us a little mini monologue. And he gives this big monologue. And then she gives a big monologue back. And then she kicks him out. And maybe they have a date again next week. Maybe they don't. Um, And, like, the thing that you want from these sort of, like, like, sort of very there's a type of play that's very realist and very minimalist i associate it really closely with like arthur miller and people who are influenced by arthur miller even though i don't i don't like arthur miller at all i think there are a lot of like his contemporaries who are way better than him but like death of a salesman is sort of this where you have like conflict bubbling 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 and then at the end the two characters who have the conflict deliver these huge monologues and then the the thing just kind of stops, and you're like, "Well, the next day is going to happen," you know. Yeah. Uh and so that part like works for me, and I, I think it especially works because the movie shifts from being about him to about her in a big way. Um, but I don't I don't think any of that really like makes up for the fact that for an hour of this movie I was like ready to claw my own eyes out. I was so desperate to escape this movie and I was only watching it because I felt like well I started this I need to finish it. <laughs> yeah. Um 
so yeah <laughs> sorry to ramble so much uh but it just i don't know it's a it's a weird thing that happens when the only thing that worth talking about in a movie happens 60 minutes into a 90 minute movie and i'm like well i guess i just have to tell you the stuff in the movie yeah. to have anything interesting to say about the movie at all <laughs> yeah um f for stairs it takes place in her apartment um and um yeah, that's my that's my TED talk. That's about <laughs> sorry it. to just uh, sorry no. to just kind of monologue for a little bit there, but uh, I yeah. never monologue on this. Also, it sounds <laughs> like it is a movie about monologues. Yeah, that's a it's sort of tangential to the monologue. It's also a movie of like long takes, a lot of just like they sat down at dinner. And sort of to accentuate how awkward this conversation is, and also just to, like, let the actors cook, there's, like, sort of just, there's not really much, like, shot-reverse shot in the movie. It's sort of just, like, they're sitting at the dinner table, here's the camera, like, you know, three feet away from the dinner table and sort of perpendicular to them, and they're just gonna go back and forth like you're watching a play. Um... And so the other thing about when she tells the story is the is it's the only time in the movie they get into like really, really tight close ups and sort of like doing interesting stuff with the visuals. Um, That's just like, you know, that's not why you and I watch movies. We do not watch movies for just like, you know, uh, if I was watching it, probably if I saw this performed, I would be like, wow, that was so good. They were just going, going and going. But in a movie, I, I want there to be a little more visual interest. Also, also, I need to talk about the absolutely insane set design of her main apartment, which is that she's got this big studio. Her kitchen is like two or three times the size of mine. Um, and I do not have a studio. I have a one-bedroom apartment. She's got like, her studio is like, the or her kitchen in her studio apartment is like the size of my living room. So that's insane to begin with. The other thing is, that she has, she is a white lady, she has a big framed poster of Martin Luther King right when you open the front door. Like, <laughs> and then the other thing is that she has a a not framed, put up with like thumbtack uh, poster for cats in her dining area. <laughs> um, and so there's like, there is at one point a like, five minute scene of them just like sort of talking near her kitchen counter um where you just see like because it's just cats and then the two big cat eyes that's all you get yeah (laughs) and this is like framing the whole scene and it's like why did (laughs) you put two things in the set mlk poster and cats poster what was the impetus here what was the decision making process i must know yeah what was the insight into this character that said she's got two things in her apartment, an MLK poster and a Cats poster? Um, yeah. I wonder also why you didn't direct more just, movies. <laughs> uh, could be. <clears throat> um, she does also have um, uh, a, a, a mannequin in her apartment with just big old bazonkazonks. Um, just tig old biddies. 
uh, on that all right, all right. Yeah. So. A lot um, of choices being made there. Yeah. <laughs> um... F for stairs. Yeah. Tell me about Steamboat Bill Jr. Uh, so I was, you know, one of the, the days where it was just me and my kid, um, you know, th- there was a lot of, uh, especially Bluey. Um, they're back on the Bluey train right now. Uh, just love watch- watching Bluey. Um, but there was a point where they wanted to watch something else. Um, and there was like, a thing that caught their eye that was one of the it's like a new Disney short that's the the like old I forget which character it's like a rabbit or something um mm-hmm. do you remember Oswald this? Oswald the rabbit? Yeah Oswald um so it was like an Oswald the rabbit short um which was like a silent short um and you know it was only like a minute long or something uh, it's it's a very mm. quick one, but it's doing a lot of like silent comedy kind of stuff, like silent film style comedy. Um, mm. And uh, my kid thought it was funny and wanted to watch it multiple times. Um, and so after like a couple times, I was like, do you want to watch like the kind of stuff that this is pulling from? Um, and my kid was like, yeah, sure. So I went to the Buster Keaton collection on Criterion and I was like, I'm just going to watch Buster Keaton movie with my kid. Um, pick stone, bo- uh, stone, a uh, steamboat bill jr. I, I got stuck on stone because one of the, uh, steamboats is Stonewall Jackson. Um, so weird, uh, <laughs> You know, Buster Keaton just keeps like referencing the Confederates for some reason, which is uh, a thing about him, I guess. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> but uh, basic plot is uh, there's uh, William Canfield, aka aka Steamboat Bill, who's been uh, captain of a, a paddle st- uh, steamer, uh, sort of working a, a river uh, called the Stonewall Jackson, um, and it's getting old. And uh, it opens up on a new steamer called uh, King that's owned by J.J. King, who's like this magnate. He's got like uh, King Bank or whatever and King, you know, King Wharf, King. Like there's a whole bunch, you know, King Hotel, I think. There's like a whole bunch of stuff named after him and it's all King. Um, And now he's getting into the steamboat business to, you know, put this... uh, rinkity old could could like blow away at any moment could sink at any moment uh steamboat we're gonna we're gonna do a nice fancy steamboat with all the luxuries um and uh in all of this um king's daughter whose name is kitty comes home to visit him um and steamboat bill learns that his uh son bill jr who he hasn't seen in uh seemingly an extremely long time is also coming home from college i guess was like sent away to a boarding school or something um and a lot of the beginning of this movie is like uh slower comedy stuff where um i was sometimes like playing up laughing at stuff to like let my kid know when things are supposed to be funny Uh, i think that was pulling them Mm. through but at the beginning they were like so when does mickey mouse show up (laughs) (laughs) Um, so and there's a part where it's like oh like maybe this isn't gonna hit um but uh 
you know, eventually Buster Keaton shows up, um, who is Bill Jr. And there's the stuff that like, uh, you know, Steamboat Bill is expecting like a, a real man's man like him, you know, uh, probably maybe mm-hmm. taller than he is and everything. And, you know, Buster Keaton's this little guy. He's got uh, this, this, you know ridiculous little mustache she's got like a ukulele and like a foppish beret and you know buster keaton's just always got his face in a like kind of silly face um my kid starts getting a little bit more interested here because like buster keaton's just kind of a funny person to see just moving around on screen uh and he's like Mm -hmm. doing little funny bits um but it's still like some slower humor you know, and there's some of like mm-hmm. me explaining like, oh, yeah, look, he's like doing this, uh, you know, went into that closet and was like changing in the closet into the, the pajamas, but to secretly put the pajamas over his regular clothes. So, haha, we got this moment now where it's revealed, you know, he like quickly pulls mm-hmm. off his pajamas because he's going to sneak out of the house because his his dad doesn't want him to go see King's daughter, you know, because uh, they right. they maybe have a budding romance going on. Um, all of this. There's some funny bits of like people. Th- there's a good moment in here where people are falling off of boats, um, including Buster Keaton, like on a board as like one boat drifts away from the other, and the board just like stays in position. You know, they've like clearly rigged it up for the shot so that it's not going to move, but it just pulls away, and then he like stands up, and then suddenly realizes, you know. Uh, like walks right off of it because he thinks he's going on to the, the other boat and stuff. Um, that stuff w- was, you know, pulling my kid through, but I would say there was some lagging. Then you get to the, the real, like, and this is the thing that everyone loves from this movie. Uh, 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 like cyclone hits. There's like rain pouring. Uh, this is after like a prison break with, uh, Buster Keaton's dad's character, uh, where he's trying to break it out and like, doing this whole thing with bread that he's like hidden tools in and stuff, uh, which is kind of funny. But again, in a way that's not always playing to the toddler. When the cyclone cyclone hits, um, they have like just gotten out of, uh, broken out of the prison. Um, and uh, Buster Keaton has gotten hit on the head. So he's like wandering around through some of it. He ends up in the hospital. Uh, there's a part where like the, the building of the hospital gets carried away. And then he sits up all confused in bed. Um, and then like, just like full pratfall stunts of like wind blowing around as he goes to places. This is the infamous shot of, uh, he stands and he's looking at the camera and the, the wall of a building falls, but there's like a window on the top floor and it falls perfectly around him. And then he like realizes what happens and like jumps up after it falls. Uh, probably one of the most dangerous stunts that Buster Keaton ever did. Uh, cause if it was just, a, you know, positioned a little bit off or if it didn't fall right, that would have just completely you know wall falling on him uh there's a great bit where like <laughs> um this is like very clearly animated because the whole like building comes down they like did some sort of uh you know compositing of like two things but like uh-huh. a, a building falls on him and then he like opens up the door uh and then there's just like everything flying around and then like goes back into the lopsided building um and then I think some other like thing happens where then he leaves it again. And as soon as he leaves it, the entire building collapses. Uh, all this stuff is just like fantastic, 
uh, this is Buster Keaton firing all cylinders. Um, and my kid was just like laughing hysterically, uh, <laughs> you know, describing things that are <laughs> happening to me while they're happening and just like cutting it up. Uh, and apparently did really enjoy the movie because then, uh, like two or three days later, um, had apparently been learning about like various weather conditions in- at daycare. Uh, and we were coming back from daycare <gasps> and then started telling me about how funny it was when the tornado <laughs> hit in the movie <laughs> and was like describing some of their funniest stuff and like laughing and, <laughs> and being like, you know, when the building fell on him and then he left and it like <laughs> the building fell down and stuff. I was like, man, I'm so glad that that hit for you. <laughs> so it was <laughs> You know, it's one That's of adorable. it's one of uh, Buster Keaton's best movies, and watching it with my kid and having them just cut up was fantastic. So, um, oh, there was one joke that I explained where um, there's a there's a part where he's trying on hats and they put on like you know Charlie Chaplin's like favorite bowler and he like frowns and like throws it off, <laughs> and I was like, "That's because there's another silent film, you know, guy yeah. Charlie Chaplin who wears that hat, but." <laughs> Because I was laughing and my my kid was like, "Why was that one funny?" <laughs> so, so I assu- I assume next week you're going to show uh, your toddler man with a movie camera, and they're going to be like a film without intertitles or a scenario. <laughs> I don't know about this. <laughs> I I, ass- I assume when they destroyed that's, that's the, the bullshit. <laughs> what a strong <laughs> statement. <laughs> Yeah, you're, we have to destroy it in a way that I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I should <laughs> just, you know, tweeting on main. I showed my my, you know, four year old uh, kid's not four yet, but I threw. I showed my four year old uh, man with a movie camera, and they turned to me and said, uh, "Just as the Bolshoi falls to the feet of the proletariat, so must we destroy <laughs> aristocratic culture." <laughs> uh, <laughs> Hey, speaking of destroying aristocratic culture, do you want to talk about daisies? Um, sure. Oh, for Seatboat Bill, uh, I feel like there weren't a lot of stairs, but there was probably some funny stair thing. So I'm gonna do like a B question mark. I feel like there were stairs at some point, but yeah, let's talk about daisies. Daisies. <clears throat> All right, this is. I'm gonna pull up a year here, motherfucker. I 1966. Just, uh, Daisy's film. Oh, while you're doing this, I also watched. Uh, I put on Easy A when I was getting a bunch of dental work last Saturday. Uh, they did a crown, mm-hmm. a filling, and uh, adjusted a crown. And they were like, "Since you're gonna be here a while, you can put on whatever you want." And so I saw Easy A and put it on. Um, and while my mouth was getting numb from like the whatever injection they do, uh, I watched like the first 10, 15 minutes, uh, and then the rest of the work went so long that I was holding my mouth open for the entire rest of the movie <laughs> um, which uh, just looking at it is a 93 minute movie so about an hour and 15 minutes at least I have my mouth open so fun yeah uh, my lip is still like the corner of my lip is still cracked because it was also like the way back molar um, like the furthest Ooh. back one so they had to like really try and get in there uh, it was not fun um Anyway, daisies. You've pulled stuff up. Daisies. Um, I meant to look at more into like the production of this film, um, and I 
going to be honest with you, I just didn't do that, uh, which is a little disappointing because I would love to have a little more of the cu- cultural context around this movie. Um, <clears throat> fans of our last episode may recall um, that I picked this movie pretty much solely because Criterion Channel sometimes provo- promotes um, movies from the Czech New Wave, um, and that is just like a thing that you and I didn't really know anything about. And I've so seen Czech. I, um, I took classes on Czech New Wave. Okay, well, I didn't know anything about it, so fuck off. Yeah, <laughs> I I had a professor um, who did Polish cinema, but also taught a lot about like other Eastern European cinema. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> and so yeah, I just didn't know anything about this really, and um, we wa- I wanted to like you know get familiar with the thing I didn't know about. Um, and yeah, I wish I'd been able to pull in a little more. Like, it was directed by Vera Hitlova, uh, um, and uh. I don't I don't know too much about her <laughs> or the 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 context in which this was made um but yeah this is one of the um <clears throat> one of the most uh enduring movies of the of the sort of Czech new wave uh moment um this is about <sighs> so this movie is like about nothing in some way there's no plot to it but basically there's these two girls a blonde girl and a brunette girl um, who would absolutely crush it on OnlyFans now, um, but uh, unfortunately live in a time before OnlyFans and so sort of get by day to day by sort of like hustling men um, and and making these men think that they're going to fuck them and then not fucking them or only doing it for like food or... I can't tell if they're fucking these men or not. It doesn't really matter. Yeah, the vibe seems to be that they have the meal and they're like, let's get on the train. And then they like somehow uh, conspire and do some trick where the man is on the train and they get off the train. Um, And so then they separate and they don't have to go home and fuck them or whatever. Yeah. But then there's like other guys who get really clingy with them and I can't tell like what's going on there. It truly, truly does not matter. Yeah. (laughs) Because it's just sort of, like, vignettes of, like, them taking these men on these dates and them, um, you know, being bored at the beach or them, um, you know, trying to get attention from random random passersby. Um, and, and the vignettes sort of have an escalation to them. Um, yeah. They're increasingly it, more and more little gremlins to everyone around them. Yeah, and also there's, like, a little bit of a, like, existential crisis that it sort of builds over the movie, I feel like. But there's not, like, a plot, you know? Um, um, the, the, the climax of the movie is that they get into this um, room where a huge feast has been prepared that presumably some people... Maybe they're like getting married downstairs and they're going to come up here to this room and have this feast later. And there's like ducks and chickens and hams and cakes and, you know, uh, the most 60s food in the world. And these two girls just sort of like eat it, throw it, just sort of like smash it up against their faces. They like tear the tablecloth they smash the glasses they climb up on the chandelier and bring the chandelier down um and um the the movie ends 
with they're climbing in the chandelier and then hard cut to like them drowning um, and people refusing to save them. And then like an inner title of like, that's one thing that could have happened, but perhaps this happened. And it shows them sort of like trying and failing to put the whole feast back together and then like wrapping themselves in newspaper and laying down on the table and then the chandelier falling on them and killing them. <laughs> presumably uh and, and finally we the the last moment of the movie is we sort of um yeah like chandelier falls and it cuts to war footage yes which the movie also began with is like yeah. footage of like bombings footage of like lots of like airplanes like striking um what seem to be sort of like civilian places um, and, and as this happens again at the end of the movie, it says that the movie is dedicated, um, let me see if I can pull up exactly how it's phrased. <clears throat> to those who get uh, upset only over a stomped upon bed of lettuce. Mm -hmm. um, this is the, what the Wikipedia says for, I don't know if, uh, yeah. you know, the exact translation was different in, um, the criterion and, you know, mm -hmm. translation. Wars. What did you think of this movie? Um, I enjoyed it. It was for, for such a short movie. It was one where I was like, I feel like this could be shorter. Um, yeah, I feel like you could have trimmed 15 minutes off this bad boy. Yeah. There's some stuff that I think overstays. There's some moments that are like, uh, truly fantastic. There's this, um, sequence where they are like cutting up and doing collage stuff. And then they start like cutting each other up, but it's like, literally it's just like collaging. It like turns into collage animation with like their uh -huh. bodies and things um in a way that was like uh you know thrilling to see because um and then like a and like collage sort of thing of like the celluloid itself was like being like cut up and rearranged yeah. in interesting ways or at least that's the effect that it was going for i don't imagine that they were actually cutting this the film and reassembling them but that was right. the the effect that was done i mean there could have still been know? like a certain amount and then you would lay it on a new thing of film to like transfer it once you like completed yeah it. i guess but, you could i guess you could yeah, yeah. um i don't entirely um, know how they did it i mean it also could have been like a a series of like they took a bunch of photographs um and then like maybe they like did the film and then they blew it up into like you know made the photograph prints larger and then did like traditional animation. You put that on a thing and you take a photo of it. I don't know. Um, I don't know how they did it. Uh -huh. but, um, it was really exciting. Um, yeah, I think so too. Also, I did read the feast at the end as like specifically being for not just like a, you know, I've, a wedding is like a thing where you, might not be like particularly wealthy or something, but you throw like the huge party for that. Cause it's like, you know, a not common thing that happens in, in one's lifetime. Uh, and so you like really spend some money on it. Uh, but they're <coughs> specifically because when they're going up the, the dumbwaiter, there's a part that like kind of comically in a way that doesn't entirely make sense for just this dumbwaiter going up. They like go uh, past a, a giant like orchestra performance, I think. Right, yeah. <laughs> With a ton yeah. of people. And I imagine it being like, you know, the people who have the nice seats there then get to go to a fancy meal or something. Um, Maybe, yeah. That may have just been a connection I was making. But I, I think by like having this like big, in the way that we were 
talking about, you know, aristocratic culture, like going to like the orchestra is kind of an aristocratic culture thing. And then like, here you come to this like big fancy uh, laid out feast that, you know, some people might do for a wedding because it's a big expense or there are just motherfuckers who eat like this. You know, because they <laughs> they are wealthy and and have uh, class. You know, I'm I'm saying in like the sense of, you know, not like oh they're just classy, um, but like you know they are in possession of class as like a status. <laughs> um. So. Um. Yeah, I think in jo- in general, I kind of uh, it seemed like a thing that was particularly. T- setting its sights on like uh you know you you can see plenty of things that people have written about this as being like uh deeply critical of the the communist system and i i was watching it being like i feel like this thing is like uh while it's being critical i think of like the society that it's in it seems like it's being critical in the same way that like um Vertov is making a communist film that's about like destroying the the uh Bolshoi theater like it's being critical about like the the remaining um you know the, there may have been like some political change that happened here but still a lot of people are like tied down to these ideas of class and um like aristocracy or uh wealth or these kinds of things uh and i feel like it's being more critical of that as like a uh um hypocrisy that is existing in the society that's supposed to be a classless society than being like uh yeah what we need is american decadence i don't think the movie's saying that they need american decadence yeah. <laughs> but rather that like the injustice that they're presenting here is not uh gluttony but that like these low class women would get to do it um would get to like destroy uh-huh. a, a big fancy feast um, and be gluttonous because that is reserved for only for people with class. Uh, and they are gluttonous, but in like a, a way that is um, orderly and is like following the rules of class where you all sit at the table and you go, Oh yes, yes. While you have your like wine and your, you know, uh, ridiculous puddings. And it, it was such a, it was like such a sixties um, food feast laid out (laughs) very yeah it really was Uh, it really really was yeah there's like a there's like looking at like the information i did look at online there's a lot of people who read this as like an anti-communist film and i i think it is just a a film that is very like rebellious in nature like the thing that i said to you in the first couple of minutes was it felt like it was like this person had gone to a film school and was, like, rebelling against everything they learned in film school, you know? Yeah. Uh, I don't know if that's true, but there's, like, a certain energy of, like, I'm supposed to make a movie this way, and I'm gonna do, like, you know, I'm gonna rebel against what movies are supposed to be like. There's not gonna be a plot. It's just gonna be these, like, two women who are, like, not likable, um, are not, like, you know, there's no character arcs, there's no... it It is purely just the style and the the um sort of like the the depravity is carrying you through and so i think there's a like i think there's just a like rebelliousness that shoots through the whole movie that then like yeah i guess it is an anti-communist movie because it is rebellious and it is like rebelling against a uh 
you know, it is being made in a communist society. But I think if it was like an American film, it it, it would be anti-capitalist because it is just rebellious, you know, and it's like capital. Like, I think it's just like rebelling against the thing that is around to rebel against, you know? Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, um. I, I think it is. Um, and I, I, I think if there's anything it's sort of thumbing its nose at, it's like, it is the decadence, like you say, it is the class, like you say, and it is the sort of like, you know, um, the roles that women are supposed to occupy, you know, which I think is like, um, you know, a problem that shoots through, you know, there, there is, you know, all sorts of like, you know, feminism happening in capitalist countries in the sixties that is like about the same sorts of things. Like this is not a, you know, anything unique to communism in any way, in any way, I don't think. Yeah. You know, Um, I, I, I was very warm on this movie. I, I, I think, I also think you could have chopped 15 minutes out of this movie. Um, but I, I really liked it. I really, um, I really liked it. And I think like, you know, um, if I were to watch this movie again, I feel like I would probably enjoy it even more because I, I, there's just enough build to it as they sort of get more and more. I can't tell if the girls are getting more and more depressed or if it's just as we spend more time with them, we sort of like see the depression that was always there at the surface a little more. Um, But there's no there's no sort of plot to it, but there's like just enough build on that front that I was like, is there going to be a plot? Are they going to have like a friend to break up at the end of this? I think now that I like if I watch this movie again, I can sort of know the place that it's building to. And I think I'd probably enjoy it even more um, watching it a second time. And so because of that, I feel very like this is a really, really good movie, you know, Um, even if like I was kind of bored during certain parts um, of watching it this first time. Yeah. Um. Um, Also, I just... We we haven't talked enough about how the girls are just delightful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> With just how fucking terrible they are. We have not really talked about like how fun it is to watch these two women indulge in just like all of the things that women are not supposed to be. All of the things that like a good functioning member of society is not supposed to be, like even de- independent of like gender sort of stuff, just like Yeah. No, you're not supposed to act like this. Why are you doing any of this? Yeah. There's also <laughs> a, a way in which, um, and this is a thing that I think is more directly uh, intersecting with gender, that, like, there are these things that are expected of women um, that include, like, uh, you know, acting, you know, being, but it often means just kind of acting kind of stupid and childlike and things like that. Um, that they like do, but specifically are like playing up to take advantage of people or uh, like mess with people. Um, I think that's also like a, a a whole thing that this movie is doing, and also that like um, the characters in particular are doing, which is like taking something that is like expected and then pushing it further to to like make it into something that is going to like start messing with people. Um, 
Because, yeah, there are, like, multiple shots at the beginning in particular, uh, but it recurs a couple times, so they are, like, almost compared to just dolls. Um, um, also, uh, we, we would be remiss to not mention that uh, they're kind of gay with it. <laughs> they're extremely fucking gay. This is a, this is a homosexual movie for homosexuals. <laughs> um... um. These girls are fucking constantly. Yeah. Like, any time the camera is not rolling, these girls are fucking. <laughs> um, and occasionally when it's rolling, they are still kind of doing some fruity things where, uh, you know, it's getting close to fucking. <laughs> when they both got into the bath together, uh, you and me are just, like, pointing at the screen and screaming, Nana, Nana, Nana. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, but... You know, you can't actually read it that way because in Japanese culture, it's very common for adults of the same gender to, to bathe together. Despite the Shut fact the that the, the movie and the show goes to great lengths to show the way that Shut taking a bath with someone is deeply sexualized for Osaki Nana. Uh, it's like the whole thing, the first sex scene you see in the entire fucking thing is her having sex with Ren in the bath. And basically every time that she's in the bath, up until when she's there with Hachi, it's her having sex with somebody. Anyway. <laughs> um there's a reason why yeah. it is a clo- uh 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 like what do they call them claw tooth or claw footed uh bathtub um instead of like a more traditional japanese bath anyway <laughs> uh yeah they do take a bath and some milk i think and drink yeah, the milk. Yeah, while they're I don't know. A bath. Um, it seems like it's not a, all milk, a... but they pour some stuff into the water that makes it very milky. There's also a moment where one of them, um, just like drinks milk that has been out for question mark question mark <laughs> question mark amount of time. Yeah, she just uh, in a just way like, that you might like be like, oh, I forgot this cup of water here, and pick it up and drink it. But she does it with a glass of milk. <laughs> Yeah, that, like, I've seen how these girls live. That milk could have been there for a week and a half, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this is, like, this is also, like, moments after, like, the one girl, um, like, tries to kill herself by leaving the stove on, but also leaves the window open, and the 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 other girl, so she's, like, laying in the bed, uh, and she's trying to kill herself this way, and then the other girl comes into the apartment and turns off the stove. It's like, "Hey, idiot! You forgot to um, close the window. Stop wasting gas." And it's like, <laughs> "Yeah," and it's like, "Yeah, you're running up our bills." And yeah, it's like, it's just sort of an interesting thing of like the 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 sort of it feels very. It feels very 2023, the way in which these girls swing from, oh, we're having so fun, so much fun just being like, uh, you know, uh, not having jobs, just sort of like, you know, um, getting by, uh, you know, just by, by whatever means we can, um, and secretly we're really depressed about it, you know? It just feels so, uh now yeah in a big way um again uh, they're just they're have... tragically too early for only fans they'd be making bank yeah yeah no these girls would be like top point one percent selling that fans. milk that that bathwater milk <laughs> <laughs> on the internet 
in bottles. Yeah, it would be like one of those OnlyFans where you open it and you pay like $100 to get in and you're like, wait, there's not even any pussy on here. It's just, it's just like, here's a picture of me in the bath. Um. (laughs) Yeah. And an opportunity to buy the bottle of my milk bath water for a hundred more dollars. Yeah. And then you'd look and you'd be like, it's Uh, sold out. (laughs) It said that there was 50 bottles. (laughs) Send me $300 uh, and I'll DM you one thing I don't like about you. (laughs) (laughs) That's like the energy that these girls have. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, I also really enjoyed, um, there's the early bit uh, where they're in the restaurant um, and there's like there's the band playing and there's this guy and this woman um, that are doing a dance routine for all like like people are sort of eating dinner and watching the band play and watching these people dance it's like a big yeah. performance or it's like a dinner <laughs> theater performance um, and meanwhile those two girls are in the like special box seat like the the seats of honor in this like little theater uh dinner place and they're just like having a time yeah. they're climbing on the walls getting they're drunk like, off their ass yeah they're getting wasted <laughs> they're getting me after like two beers wasted um <laughs> They're just like, and they're hooting and hollering and and like, people are like trying to get like the wait staff's attention and basically like you'll cut away to like one waiter being like, that's not my job. I'm gonna get my boss and like that guy, not my job. I'm gonna get my boss and that guy's like, not my job. <laughs> uh, until finally someone comes over to kick them out. Um, and meanwhile, as this is happening. Um, all the women in the restaurant are like looking at those two having fun. They're like, damn, we could be having fun right now instead of doing the shit we're doing. Damn, we could be lesbians too. Shit. Fuck. Uh, like you just get like shots of like all these women just like actively ignoring the men they're with to like stare at these women. And it's like gay shit's happening on my screen right now. Yeah. Gay shit. Um, they had gay people in the sixties. It turns out. Yeah. Uh, it it was like the the very loud this movie while while we were watching it I described it as like basically being the very loud in your face version of the scene in Angels of the Universe where that Nazi buys them all dinner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, where that one is like very quietly like you know uh you'll want to call the police. <laughs> Uh, this is just like the the inverse in terms of just being over the top and loud constantly, but same energy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, we don't talk enough about how the Nazi buying them dinner scene is like one of the best movies in a movie we've watched for stairwells. We don't talk about enough about how uh, Angels of the Universe truly one of the best movies we've done for this podcast. Yeah, it's fantastic. People should go watch it. Um. If you are having trouble finding it, let me know. Yeah. Because I will hook you up with a completely legal way to purchase it. Yeah. Sorry, I feel like my Um, mic messed up there for a second where it was like weirdly spaced out, but I'm sure it's fine. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, 
I don't have a ton else about this movie, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um. How are we feeling about the stairs in Daisies? Um. I've, it's been a week and a half since we've watched this, and I don't really remember. The so. ones I remember, there's like it like repeats, but it's like both of them going on the stairs and like. Uh, one time it's like all red or something. The stairs. Another time it's all like yellow. But there's like a specific shot where like it's the stairs and you like see the feet coming, you know, from the top of the frame down. Like it's like fairly close in of like the two of them. Do you remember the shot? Did I lose you? Hello? Oh, okay. Uh, I got the message that Autumn muted. Uh, so that no I'm unmuted. <laughs> Hello. <Yeah>. Um, <laughs> I muted so that that wouldn't be like weird, but then like you paused at just the wrong moment before I could type that message. <laughs> yeah. Which is not on you. Uh, so That's not on you. <laughs> I, I looked it up. Once it's blue and the other time it's red. Um, okay. Okay. Yeah. Do you remember these stairs? Yeah, vaguely. Vaguely. I did also just get distracted because Nora came in here to get a phone charger while while you were talking, but I, I kind of remember this. <laughs> uh, let me see if I can get this. Uh, boop. Um. Oh yeah, these. I like I like how the weird split down the middle of these stairs too. That I could never quite figure out. Is that two different carpets on the stairs? Is that like two different shots of the stairs composited together? I really liked that, like, you know. Um, I wonder if it is specifically these are just the same stairs, but they put different, uh, you know, fabric over them. Yeah. Um, I really liked these. I want to give these like a B plus, maybe. Yeah. Like, they weren't like, like, it was a good shot. It was a really pretty shot. Um it's not like there's like a stairwell scene that like has thematic stuff going on with it. Hmm. Do we ever talk about the tweet that was essentially calling us out? Like, I don't think it was about oh, no, us. We didn't, but, uh, it yeah. also was about us. Um, yeah. I don't think that person. Uh, listened let me to see. Us. You quote tweeted this on main or I quote tweeted this. I- I'm going to see. I think um, I did. Um, uh, so, so this is a, this is a, uh, tweet from Hell on Celluloid, um, on Twitter. YouTube video titled, What John Wick 4 Gets Right About Stairs, video essayist voice, stairs have been, <laughs> have long been one of the most cinematic locations throughout film history, clip from Rocky, characters can go up through, up them to signify triumph. Clip from The Exorcist. Characters can go down them to signify defeat or sacrifice. <laughs> Clip from Joker. And sometimes they're even a key into the character's <laughs> mental state. That is us. <laughs> that is what we do on this podcast. We do it like as a bit, but also that is us. We do just do that. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh huh. Um. It was really fucking funny. <laughs> I did still feel called out reading it. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, we have our next two movies uh, oh, two? figured out. Well, one of them uh, we figured out either right before, either in the non-homophobia zone or like right before the mics got rolling. Wait, um, which one's that? I it it at at 
at at Turnia at at uh what Oh, um I didn't realize we were doing that for the next one. Um Enteron. Enteron. Thank you. Yeah. Uh yeah, I just wanted to I wanted to get that because uh if we didn't put it on the schedule soon, um I was going to forget about it and we wouldn't cover it for 6 months. So, okay. uh it looked good uh and I wanted to cover it soon and so um but that's that's two movies from now. Next week we will be back with uh, Black God, White Devil, uh, which uh, Emma's a big fan of, right? Uh, maybe. Um, I, just, I, I just know it's one I I've been meaning to get to for a while now. I feel like I am aware of this movie because Emma is into this movie. Um, could be wrong. Emma will, I'm sure, let me know. Yeah. Emma, um, let us know. Um, by the way, Entenon I means check robot. Letterboxd, I That's guess. The, the literal translation is robot. Um it's by uh uh S. Shankar, um who I think also I forget if he's in it or if he just does a lot of movies like this. Um I don't think he's actually in it. Um But uh Emma's yeah. not reviewed this movie on um Letterboxd, which makes me think I'm thinking of a different movie that Emma's into. But regardless <laughs> Yeah. I've had it on my Plex for a while now, and I've wanted to see it, so um, we figured we we would throw it in. Um, um, yeah. So so just one more time. That's Black God, White Devil. Next time, and Eternon. Uh, the time after that. Yeah. Uh. <clears throat> uh, I can't think of anything else. I guess we'll do plugs. Yeah. Uh, you want me to go first? Where can people find you on? <clears throat> uh, you can find me at Foxwomnia on Twitter, uh, co-host, which I barely ever use, uh, Letterboxd, if you want to see my movie, you know, ratings and rankings and, uh, reviews and all that. Um, also, if you care about anime, you can go to Annie List. That's where, where I have an account. Um. But yeah, if you go to uh, my Twitter account or to co-host, I have like a, a pinned post um, that has links to all of my podcasts. Um, so right now, Ghost Divers, we are doing uh, Iron-Blooded Orphans. Um, this has been a, a, a good season. I feel really good about this one. Um, I mean, I, there's not like seasons where I feel terrible about them, but uh, sometimes you just like know you're really hitting. Uh, it helps when the the show is really good. Um, so uh, if people enjoy uh, Gundam and have seen Iron Blooded Orphans, if they have already broken the GGP timeline, um, they should check that out. Uh, I I would say uh, second only to Utena so far in terms of like uh, just personally how good i feel like we did um so we we have two more episodes to record and i think there's like three more to come out so um but yeah check that it out it seems like people have been enjoying the the ibo stuff i'm very i'm very happy i'm not listening because I, I haven't seen ibo but yeah uh, it sounds like y'all are killing it <laughs> um and uh Puntering Pluton is uh, me and my Ghost Divers co-host, uh, Connor, where we have a timer to, to keep us to 30 minutes. Uh, and we mostly just, like, do weird improv bit kind of stuff, but not... 
Mm-hmm. I feel like sometimes you say that and people are expecting like the full, like whose line is it anyway? It's just like Connor and I riff off of each other. Um, and sometimes we do get stuck in like a specific bit. I forget the bit that we got stuck in recently. Um, but there was one where we just like kept doing the stupid bit the whole time. Um, but uh, that's a fun that's a fun podcast. I always look forward to recording it because it's the lowest prep that I have to do for any show. Um, also, the easiest to edit. Um, <laughs> and then I also do a podcast with uh, M from Abnormal Mapping. Uh, the podcast is on the Abnormal Mapping Network. Um, it is around the long fire, and we are currently reading through uh, Ham Scringla, which is a, a massive book with multiple sagas uh, written by Snorri Sturluson. Um, and we uh, have done three from it so far. Uh, the first one was just like fantastic. If, if People are going to read only one from this, um, and they just want one that's going to be like a really fun read. Uh, the Ingling Saga, Saga of the Inglings, um, that is the the one to do. Um, and then we also did the Saga of, um, oh, I guess we've done four, because I think one of them was really short. Um, but we just did the, the Saga of How Can the Good, um, and that one is just fun for like the weird uh how can is christian but is like king of uh primarily heathen norway and there's like weird religion stuff that happens mm. there so um you know uh, a fun read for that stuff um but we very funny it. uh you plugging around the longfire talking about the sagas M this morning when we did Gotham plugging around the long fire was like, yeah, it's just another Gundam podcast I do now. I do two Gundam podcasts every week. <laughs> yeah, I also do talk. So that's the thing is I, I don't talk as much to you about Gundam on this anymore because I just talk to M about it because I'm just mm-hmm. I did say on the last episode of Around the Long Fire um, that I, I realized that I think all the Gundam I'm watching is like a trauma response. I'm having to see destiny um, that I'm going to be on the finale for great Gundam project. And so uh, I feel like Jackson M and I are all responding to it differently. Um, Jackson is uh-huh. like posting through it is like trying their best to like uh, do the criticism on the podcast, but is also just like uh, bullshitting about it in like uh, DMS and like, on Twitter and stuff uh, about just like what a stupid show this is like fully like I'm going to post through this. Uh, M has like siloed it into as small a part of their life as possible. Um, and it's like siloed, like basically all of Gundam aside from when I talked to, about Gundam to them on uh, <laughs> around the long fire uh, into just like, I watch the show. Uh, I do as like as little work as I can uh, to like, do the synopses. Uh, I just don't have like, I don't care about anymore. I record the podcast and then I'm like done. And I just don't have to think about, I'm not going to think about it anymore because it's so bad. See, destiny is so bad. Um, and I have had the, uh, you told me that I have to drink a certain amount of poison every week and I'm just going to dilute the poison with as much water as possible so that it can't hurt me. 
Uh, what's two episodes <laughs> of Sea Destiny when I watched like 20 episodes of Victory this week as well? <laughs> I'm thinking about Victory. Yeah. I'm not thinking about Sea Destiny. When I think about Gundam right now, I'm like, <laughs> man, Iron-Blooded Orphans whips and I'm really enjoying Victory. Uh, Gundam Wing is stupid, <laughs> but it's my kind of stupid. Um, and then occasionally I'm like, oh, God, thank thank God for, for a blissful moment. Kira Yamato is dead. He's not going to stay dead. We all know this. But right now, at this point when I'm recording this, uh, in our watch through, Kira Yamato is dead. <laughs> uh-huh. I love that for you. Just get our joy where we can. You can find me on Twitter at autumnal underscore coffee. You can find me on co-host at autumnal. Um, I posted there about DS9 today. I haven't been on uh, co-host for a while, but uh, people like DS9 posts. So, uh I'm not going to tell you to expect more DS9 posts, but if I have them, they'll end up on co-hosts. I need I need um, to start watching some more DS9 and catch back up with you. Yeah, I'm not I'm not that far ahead. I'm uh, eight episodes ahead of you, which is like there's starting to be a gap, but not yeah, not anything you can't surmount. Yeah. Um, I watched some good ones today. I watched um, so there was um. I wa- I watched two and a half because I I I I had a little anxiety spell and I paused halfway through the third episode I was watching today, um, <clears throat> but the first one was um, this episode where it was very TNG esque where um, uh, Cisco meets this lady and um, she turns out to be like the mental projections of. Um, uh, uh, this other woman who's on the station at the time, and so she's not real, and the woman, uh, who she's the mental projections of, like, doesn't like she's like the the not real lady is in getting into this relationship with Cisco, but the real lady is in this relationship with this other guy, and this other guy, uh, lives out the eternal Star Trek plot, which is what if there was pussy so good it was worth dying for? Yeah. And he dies for that pussy. Um, <clears throat> and anyway, it's really funny. Um, I, I, I sort of said this on, on locked Twitter, but Jackson put it so much better. I'm just going to see if I can find Jackson's tweet real quick. Um, Twitter is taking forever to load because Elon's so good at running the website. Um, so I said, in this episode, Cisco talks to a woman one time and comes into work like he just got some bomb pussy and Kira is unnerved by it. Uh, and Jackson, one very funny thing about DS9 is they try to play Cisco like a shy dad who doesn't get any because of his backstory, but then it's Avery Brooks, so it's just insane. And yeah, like, Cisco's got game. Yeah. Cisco's got so much game, but the the show's writers are still in, like... You know, um, like LeVar Burton has spoken on how he thought it was weird to be like one of the few black characters on the show and like, um, you know, have sort of the like uh, be treated in the way that he was when it came to sexuality, where he's this like sort of ineffectual nerd. Um, Yeah. uh, And like they're kind of still trying to write Cisco in that same mode. But he, he's Cisco. He's got game. Yeah. Uh, Avery Brooks is just a very attractive man. 
And he's not even hot Cisco yet. Yeah. Like, he's still got the bad haircut. Oh, yeah. And it's yeah, still he's just gonna like, get hot Cisco. <laughs> he's not even hot Cisco yet, but when he, like, smiles, it's like, oh, hey, hey, handsome. How's it going? <laughs> yeah. Um, um, I love Cisco so much. Definitely my favorite of, like, oh. the... It, he's not, like, a ship captain, but, you know, that role in a, a Star Trek. Um, and then um, the next one I watched was like a bewildering episode where like it starts with like a sort of TNG like um problem of the week thing where they make first contact with these people from the Gamma Quadrant. Um and those people are like, um the the Universal Translator won't translate for them. And so you think it's gonna be an episode about that, but this is DS9 and so we have to instead pivot to like um well, there's three million refugees coming from the Gamma Quadrant, <laughs> um, and they all live in this society where, like, um, men don't have rights, but that's, like, the C-plot to this episode, because then the B-plot to this episode becomes, like, the Bajorans don't want uh, to welcome in three million refugees, and... Um, the this one teenager, like, runs off in a warship and gets himself killed, um... And it's just like very much this show doesn't this show is trying to be like six things at the same time. And like uh, some of them are very much of this show and some of them feel like uh, we were writing. Yeah, I feel like we were writing TNG stuff. Um, yeah. And last but not least, I w- this other episode I watched it just string of banger episodes um, was just like. Uh, had uh, the bad guy from The Princess Bride is a listener and he's like abusing his powers as a listener to like be a con man um, which is just a delightful little premise <laughs> Um, one thing I kind of enjoy about Deep Space Nine is specifically it's like position um, as like you know we don't have to do things like the, the Gene Roddenberry way anymore um Mm -hmm. but also in this way where like uh this is new you know um Uh and so because of that it's like there are these ways that they want to do something that's distinctly different than like the stuff that came before where like there's going to be like more conflict like on the base you know on on deep space nine than there were like on the ships um right because gene roddenberry just like didn't want that um and here they can do something different, but also it's like so immediately in that shadow. Um, and you know, it's like coming out, uh, what I, yeah, this is like coming out after his death. Uh, and so there's also this like yeah. certain respect to like his way of doing things. And so it's always in like that tension space. Um, whereas I feel like later stuff, you, you just get the full like, oh, these are just nerds who really like the old stuff or these are people who want to do something different, but it feels different than this thing that's, like, in this moment where there is the, like, respect over the man who just died, but also, like, we want to be... we. There are these things that we wanted to do that he wouldn't let us do, and now we get to do them, and, like, uh, all that, like... The tension that's happening in Deep Space Nine around that just feels a lot more compelling or, like, uh, at least, like, weird and messy in a way that's interesting than, like, later stuff where it just falls down more into the same lines that happen around all sorts of ongoing franchises of, like, how much do you respect the original work, you know? Um, This one's, like, kind of always caught in the middle, uh, which is great to me. (laughs) 
There's a there's also um there's so much fun stuff for me um about like the ways in which it is of its time. Uh, and I don't mean that in relation to Star Trek. I mean that in relation to, like, the 90s. Yeah. Uh, because, like, so there's a bit in one of these episodes where Jadzia is, like, Cisco's like, she's married. And, and Jadzia is like, that wouldn't have stopped Curzon. Um, and it's like, it's like, because it's the 90s, it's okay for Jadzia to have been a man in the past. And that man was a player, but she's not. She's just, you know, very, like, you know, straight-laced woman, you know? Yeah. Uh, but if this show was made now, Jadzia would be like, oh, that's never stopped me. Like, <laughs> like if, if this show was made now, Jadzia would be fucking constantly. <laughs> yeah. But because the show existed when it did, she's like, in my past life, when I fucked. Yeah. Um, when I was a man who fucked. The other thing, though, <laughs> is that, like, uh, the weird gender thing that's happening with Jadzia uh, is occurring in the 90s in a way where, like, some of it is messy, but just, like, is more interesting. But I feel like if they tried to do something like this now, it would be, like, uh, so overwrought about, like, we're we're doing the trans storyline or whatever. Uh, where, like, there would be, like, it episode... Would <laughs> Like, episode four of season one of DS9, if it was made now, would be, like, a very special episode about Jadzia's gender situation. Yeah. Um, and, and that just wouldn't work, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, I feel like it would be so much more just, like, uh, painful to watch as a trans person, whereas you watch the stuff mm -hmm. happening with Jadzia and you're like, uh, they knew... But they also didn't, right? No. Like, they they like, have no idea. But, like, there was a point at which they had to know, like, there, there was so much stuff at the time, like, happening in trans communities around, like, Chadzia. Like, you can find, like, historical documents around this. Like, some people knew that, like... And, like, <laughs> they knew, they know with Garrick. You know, they're not going to do it, but they know. Yeah. Like, the, the Garrick stuff is deliberate. And so, like, somebody has to, like, at least be somewhat mildly aware, you know? Yeah. When it comes to Jadzia. Yeah. Um. But, yeah, it's all just in, like, a, a, a place where... um. It's, almost, it's, like, better for the fact that... Uh, you know, I mean, if it was like an actual, you know, group of like queer people with lots of trans writers or something, then you'd have like more faith that maybe they'd be able to do the, we're explicitly making this like a trans thing constantly, uh, and just something that would be interesting. But because I don't expect like a, a TV show in general to be able to do this well, uh, most of the time, especially for like a larger franchise thing, um, the fact that they're like only sometimes kind of aware that that's what they're doing just means that she gets to be like a person in the way that I feel like a lot of the trans representation characters um, that happen in, you know, current shows sometimes like become too caught up in like, well, we have to do the good representation and it has to all be about like what it's like to be a trans person. And it's like, for the most part, what it's like to be a trans person is I watched a lot of fucking Gundam last week. 
or whatever, yeah. you know? Like, you just do other shit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there, there are days sometimes where I forget that I'm trans. <laughs> yes, I'm transgender. Yes, I read a bunch of fantasy novels for grognard men. We exist. <laughs> there are millions of us. <laughs> uh... I, I I have not entered. Uh, you know what? I just that Elric, Elric is like. I feel like I am manifesting that twenty twenty three twenty twenty four is gonna be be the year that Elric becomes not for Grognard men, but right now Elric is for Grognard men for sure. Yeah, you know, <clears throat> and that's fine. It's okay. I'm reading oh. Icelandic sagas. <laughs> Uh, if listeners, 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 Nora and I are probably going to do some podcasts about Ulrich late this year, possibly next year. So, like, there will be time for me to like brainwash you a little more about this. But I just, I just want to say, uh, like, if you like Berserk, you need to read Elric. If, if, if you've ever uh enjoyed a single page of berserk you need to read elric that's going to be my pitch to you right now is that um uh berserk is basically just shoujo manga plus elric <laughs> <laughs> um, berserk is not shoujo <laughs> berserk is whatever it's pulling from shoujo but this. it's not shoujo shoujo is a component we, we of berserk <laughs> Yes. And the other component is Elric. <laughs> That's the important part right now is I need I need the listeners to get into Elric. There are there are three omnibuses. I have some quibbles with those omnibuses being done in universe chronology and not um uh publication order, but just pick up those omnibuses uh or pick up the first omnibus. The very first story in it is an Elric origin story. It's a novel um and it's written like a little later in the chronology or it's written like a little later in publication order but not so much later that it's weird anyway i just really like elric i want everybody to get into elric uh and i'm manifesting that right now that you the listener you will like elric read elric um that's my spiel are we done here? I feel like we're yeah, done. Yeah, we've here. gone so far <laughs> beyond plugs. <laughs> <laughs> this is like a weird, unruly episode where I felt like we did the non homophobia zone, and then I felt like we started the podcast and it was just 15 more minutes of non homophobia zone energy. And then, like, I never really got back out of the non homophobia zone energy. You know, I felt like yeah. we never really talked about movies on this episode. <laughs> Even though we did for like an hour and a half, I just felt like we we absolutely talked about movies. I just felt like we were just kind of like catching up about our weeks for two hours. We kind of were. Some of this energy is also the fact that we just hang out sometimes and we have not been doing that because of the illnesses and everything. So, yeah. Um, Listeners can hear... um, I, I marked a bunch of sneezes and coughs that I'm going to cut before I send to you, but uh, there's just no getting around like the last five minutes I've been sniffling again. Like, I'm not editing that. There's, no, there's nothing to edit, 
you know, you're just gonna hear sniffles. Yeah. Uh. So let's get out of here. Okay. Given that I am so sniffly. Um. Nanahachi is real. Nanahachi is real.
in, and as soon as he did this, Lem is once again at the door. <laughs> um, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna... You are such a little mischief maker. Close some taps here. I don't need Deluge open right now. <coughs> yeah, no, you don't. No, I don't. Um, okay, I don't need Twitter open right now. You were going to show me two phone cases. Um, oh, yes. And then I was going to have you help me with a purchasing decision. Um, so uh, I just, I, I finally made the decision to, to change my phone. So at some point, um, it like, I dropped it in such a way that it like kind of hit an armrest and then hit the ground and the like back shattered, which I have never had happen with a phone before. I have a case on it. Um, but like I took the case off and like it, the, the pieces of glass weren't like actively coming out, but like definitely some stuff could get loose. So I like taped over the back and I put the case on and I've just been using it for like months like this. Um, Mm -hmm. and I don't go out that often, but when I'm like out and about, uh, two things happen. One is I feel like my, my, uh, general like cell service can be like weirdly spotty in a way that it, I felt like it didn't used to be. Um, uh-huh. and the other thing is, uh, if I'm like using Google maps, um, when you're like in motion, it like understands that you're moving in that direction. It understands like, uh, you know, an object in motion will continue in motion. So you must be right. moving in this direction. But once I stop, it will then think that my car has turned 90 degrees and so then, like, every time I would get to a stop, it would, like, start trying to reroute because it thinks that I, like, turned on a side street or whatever, which is wild. It doesn't happen constantly, but, like, it does, like, with enough that, uh, you know, sometimes I'll turn it on when I'm, like, commuting into work um, just so mm-hmm. I can, like, be aware if there's some sort of, you know, uh, construction or something because it's getting to be that season. Um, so, yeah, I finally was just like, eh, I'll, I'll upgrade. Um, I have a really good, like old grandfathered in plan. So I just never update my plan. Um, and then I just, the thing is I just buy my phone, like just put all the money down. Cause otherwise I have to upgrade the plan to something that I'm not going to use. That's going to cost like 10 to $15 more at least. And then you're going to get the like money on top of it where I'm like, this is not actually saving me money in the long run. Um, so I did sort of stress over it because it was like, I need like the money to buy a new phone. Like I need to be able to just like do that. Um, yeah, but I want a slightly better case than the one that I had. The one I had was like rifle paper company and it seemed like a decent case. I mean, it's not like the most heavy duty one. Um, and Emily has ones from, from rifle paper, paper company that have done fine by her as well. Uh, but I was looking for one that was like a little bit sturdier, but that still had nice designs. Um, and so these are two from, I won't even say the name. I'm not going to give them free, free publicity. Um, but I'm just going to send the, the two links uh, here. Um, and then you can just look at this and, and help me decide. And keep in mind that, um, oh, I haven't like decided on the, the edge thing. I'm just doing the pattern right now. Because you can also okay. change the edge around. Um, so don't worry okay. about that part. There's like So I've got strawberry season and strawberry here. Yeah. I'm yeah okay and so keep in mind uh maybe you'll understand why these are the designs uh i'm gonna put that yazawa eye nana uh ring on the back of it where it's okay um, see 
the cat yeah, yeah, and the, yeah. the yeah the like not a cat and hachi dog yeah uh i like i like strawberry a lot better than strawberry season here um yeah. i feel like it'll, i think you'll have that like middle str- element yeah strawberry one so so strawberry season is like strawberries all over the everything Mm-hmm. Whereas strawberry, I feel, is much more tasteful. You got three and a half strawberries down here at the bottom. You got two strawberries up here at the top. And a big, like, negative space in the middle that you could put your stickers or your wallet or whatever it is on the back of your phone case. Uh, and you're not obstructing strawberries. And I think also this sort of more minimalist uh, element to it matches uh, the strawberry glasses in Nana better than strawberry yeah. season. So. And then also we'll kind of provide like a little bit of a frame element around the yeah. the Nana and Hachi ring that's going to go on the back. Yeah. The strawberry season, there's so many leaves that once you put that like socket on there or whatever it is, um, yeah. you're going to see those leaves way more than you're going to see the strawberries, I feel like. Yeah. So. Okay. I was leaning strawberry and not strawberry season, but. Uh, Listeners, uh, it's 9.15 p.m. and I'm drinking a cup of coffee on into the microphone if you're wondering what that sound was. <laughs> yeah. um, anyway, I'm probably going to do like the the orange outer or something like that. But um, uh, Wow, the like... All right. The sheer oh, thing is weird. I was just looking at their example of the ones that they call sheer rather than clear. Um, it's, it's a little, uh, I'm probably just going to do clear, but, uh, um, anyway, sorry, forgive the weird little sounds I'm making here. No worries. Um, all right. Oh, and it is going to be on a pink, uh, like phone, the, the base design. Which is what okay. the the little sample was showing. Oh yeah, like you, you haven't seen. Okay, so for for listeners, before we get to my purchasing decision, um, so Nora and I um, have been Nora and I both have been on our parents' phone plans, and we sort of had an awareness that like, hey, twenty twenty three, we want to get on our own phone plan, uh, and then the a situation came up where Google Fi fucked over my dad, and my dad was like. Uh, hey, you need to get off <laughs> uh, my phone plan immediately because my dad got off my dad's phone plan um, and I told him about wanting to switch anyway. Uh, so my dad was like, hey, instead of sometime in 2023, can you make that sometime in the next three weeks? Um, and so we yesterday went and spent, what, three hours in the two? No, probably only two hours, because I was paying for parking, so it was two hours, I think. We spent two hours in the T-Mobile store getting that set up, getting an exciting new bill for $150 a month. Love that. Um, <laughs> it'll get better once the phones are paid off, and um, I did make the the most down payment I could on the phones, um, <clears throat> mm-hmm. because... Yeah, I need that. I need that number to go down. <laughs> yeah, yeah um, so the, my current can... phone plan is fifty five dollars. Now I have like data. I have to worry about. I don't have unlimited. They keep trying to get yeah. me on unlimited, and I'm like, dog, I work from home like four yeah. days of the week. 
Yeah, that's the thing is I I do use data a fair amount because when I go to work, it doesn't automatically connect me to the Wi-Fi. I have to sign in every time. Um, and there's a 33% chance of me remembering to do that any given day of the week. Yeah. Um, uh, and plus, I've had various unlimited data plans for a long time, and so I'm not conscious not conscious of it. And so to to become aware of it would be a very difficult change to make. <laughs> anyway, got our new phones, got a new plan. Um, I, I'll show you. You haven't seen my nice lavender phone. I'm very happy yeah, no, with the I color haven't. on this. And I got I we just got clear cases. I'm probably just gonna stick with the clear case because I like the lavender color on this. But now I'm thinking about oh, what if I got a, you know this this website you've sent me where they're selling cases. I do like this. I might look at uh, some prints here in a minute. But. Yeah. Um, I think it's a website that makes it like easy for other people to, to like, like you can do a custom your own design, which I didn't, I briefly considered doing some sort of not a thing, but I was like, I think it would just be nice if I could find a decent strawberry one. That's like mm-hmm. going to be what I want, you know? Um, I would enjoy that more than like having Nana and Hachi on the back. I want something that's a little bit more subtle, but if people know Nana, they will see and be like, ah, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, this seems like a, a decent, like that I've seen like, uh, fairly good reviews about the quality of the cases. The one thing that annoys me is that like black, like their, their logos, they basically just have this rim that has the name of the, the company yeah. that goes around the camera. That part, I, yeah. I, I'm not the biggest fan of, but um, the thing yeah. that's I'm not I'm looking at and I'm unsure about for my phone specifically. So I've got like three cameras all in a line oh, on my man. on the back of my phone, and then well here I'll just send you this random cheetah themed case I clicked on because I meant to click on the Grogu one that was right next to it in the menu. Um, so you can see here the three cameras all have the the brand name around it. But just off to the side, there is the flash. And the case I bought makes a sort of L shape to to include the flash. But the case on this website does not include Uh, the flash. It looks like the flash is covered in plastic, maybe? No. So if you look at uh, like the different cases, there's like the ultra impact, the impact, and the clear. If you look over there... there's like a hole cut, but it just doesn't yeah, have that black Yeah, there's a tiny little it. hole there. Okay, yeah, but it's like okay. they like drilled a hole there where the flash is. Yeah, I think it, okay. I think it's just an optical thing from looking straight on, and then the like black is yeah. like so clearly outlined around the camera. Yeah, um, I'm gonna send this uh, Grogu one I saw to Nora. Um. Sorry, give me just a moment no. here. I know this is <laughs> no really exciting podcasting. Yeah. Um. Um. But because what I had before was like a floral pattern, which I generally like floral. I know that like it's a little bit. Uh, I feel like floral pattern phone cases are uh, in terms of like trends on the out now. Um. But I do just like enjoy wearing floral patterns sometimes. Uh. If I find like a good one, there are a lot of really bad floral patterns. I think this is part of why, like. It's gone on the out is that there's ones that are just like not actually that classy. Um, but I had one that was like the bottom left. Uh, yeah, like bottom left corner. If you like almost did like a gradient uh, that way, you know, you'd have sort of like a line uh-huh. in the middle, uh, like a diagonal line 
Um, and uh, there's sort of some some various flowers there. And then it, it ended up working pretty nice when I put the... Because um, I, I had one on here as well, and I got like a, a second one. Um, but when I put the Nana and Hachi thing on. But um, yeah, I'm looking forward to having one that's like even more geared around my phone is just nana themed now my wallpaper is nana um it is what it is i know who i am <laughs> um um okay right my purchasing decision that i need help with okay so uh, I need you to help me pick a size, and I need that size to be, or I need you to help me pick a color, and I need that to be in men's 13s. Uh, I expect you know now what this Kate link I'm about to send you is. Uh, oh. I need a new pair of Crocs. Okay, okay. Okay, here's... Now... Yeah. Let me, uh, let me, let me... So, I had a pair of black Crocs. The strap on those black Crocs broke, and I could probably, like, cut it off and, like, fix it, but I, 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 I'm too OCD to do that, <laughs> and so I'm buying new, new Crocs. Now, I heard the second pair, the Bistro Clogs, I heard because those are closed-toed, those are a technically dress code at work. Uh, in the food service establishment that I uh, work at. And so if... I I need to double check. If these bistro clogs that are closed-toed are work-appropriate, I will probably just buy the black one and wear that to work sometimes and then probably buy, like, some house shoes like you have because I like, I like the little house shoes you've got. Mm. Uh, I have glares for people who are wondering. They're like a felted um, uh, wool one. So it's like nice and warm in the winter, um, but has like decent breathability as well. Yeah. Um, um, I get the one with the, the leather sole, but you could also, if you wanted, get one that has like a rubber sole. But Yeah, I like the leather sole on yeah. that. Um, and... Um, but yeah, if I if I if I can't wear those to work, then I need to buy new Crocs that I can just sort of like wear out of the house, wear in the house, sort of all purpose. And if I'm gonna do that, I'm gonna buy the classic clogs. And we've got many colors here. We've got one, two, three, four, five times one, two, three, four, five, six. That's thirty-two colors uh, for these. It's it's thirty plus two more on the next row here. Uh, mm-hmm. 32 colors uh just has to be available in men's 13 uh <laughs> everybody get in the podcast and it gets to know my shoe size that's what you get for listening to the entire entirety so, of the ghost he's dead when i do this uh if i narrow it down to just men's 13 the only one you can't get is grass green which i don't think is your color no no definitely not so yeah the the <clears throat> world here is your oyster um yeah I and like the I, lavender. I could... It's pretty tasteful. I, it's pretty light, though, which means it might show dirt. Yeah. Yeah, that was my concern with the lavender, too, is that it's a little too close to white. And, like, you know, if I got some gunk on that walking around, uh, you know, the streets of <laughs> very dirty. <laughs> um, 
Um, I, I, I can, I have worries about the lavender in a way I maybe don't about like the neon purple in the same way, or perhaps the fuchsia fun. Fuchsia isn't quite what yeah. I'm looking for here, but maybe. I think I like the neon purple more than the fuchsia. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of fun colors. Um, moon jelly is all right, black but it's and white are all out. Sorry, what's that? Um, wait, what? Navy, black, and white all out. I want something a little more fun yeah. than slate gray, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, I feel like, uh, neon purple, uh, if you don't want to do lavender, that seems, that's a good color. Oh, wait. And then moon jelly is also okay. Yeah, I'm I'm realizing um so there are ones with patterns on the website and I don't want these Lakers ones, but I am just going to search NBA on here and just see can I get like a um no, it doesn't it seems like they've only got Lakers patterned ones, which is disappointing to say the least. Did um, you did you see that there's a whole Crocs at work chef shoes collection? No. Um chef shoes. Yeah. Oh. I think this is the same thing I was l- looking at. Oh, what's the specialist oh, yeah. clog? clog? What's What's the specialist clog? Um uh, thicker oh, wow. construction at the toes and metatarsal areas. Hmm. The the Crocs on the clock is um these are these are weird to me because it's just like just wear normal shoes at this point. Where are the crocs on the clock one? I'm not seeing these. Well, uh, let me see. Oh, here this. we go. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, why are you wearing crocs? Yeah, at this what? point, if like you need this level of You know what? Like, <clears throat> I do understand this actually. Because this is the work shoe for somebody who was told you can't wear your Crocs to work, and they were like, no, 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 I'm going to wear a shoe that you're not going to realize is Crocs. (laughs) Yeah. I'm just going to wear something into the McDonald's that they're going to look at and not pay attention and just think that it's, uh, uh, you know. The, The literally the Crocs on the clock, calling all baristas, restaurant servers, and healthcare and service industry workers of every stripe, um... Reinforced slip-ons as a caffeinated version of Crocs Classic Claws, all geared up for the grind. <sighs> Genuinely, I might I might buy these because I then I don't even have to look and see is this dress code or not. Yeah. You know? Now I I worked at the same coffee shop as you. I mean, not the same location, but uh yeah. a while ago, but I did have a coworker who wore uh like ones that didn't have the holes. But Crocs. Yeah. But I think they were probably like the Bistro or the Specialist just looking at them. Like they, because mm-hmm. it, it did have the like strap in the back. Now the Bistro is $15 cheaper than the on the clock ones. So mm-hmm. things to consider here for sure. Um, but okay, so it just looking at the classic clogs again. What which color did you think uh, I should get? Um, 
Okay, for for classic clogs. Um, yeah. I have I'm, to like. I'm looking at Arctic here. now. It it was. Oh, let me see if I can pull this up. Arctic sounds like it's gonna be light though. Yeah, but it's like a light blue, and blue is my color in a big way. I could go for blue bolt for a slightly darker but still vibrant blue. Yeah. Um. Let me just click the link that you sent me again, because I'm not getting to the the mm. page that I want to be on. Um, for just There's the moon jelly, which kind of is like yeah. the lavender of blues. Yeah, the the moon jelly. So that was the one that I noticed before that I thought was nice. I think I like that okay. more than, than Arctic. Um, okay. I'm going to trust your wisdom on this. I'm going to go with the moon jelly, I think. Yeah. Because I feel like the the biggest pulls for me are the lavender, the neon purple, and the moon jelly. And the neon purple, for those listening, are is not nearly as neon purple as I think it could be. Yeah, it could be much more neon purple. Yeah. Um, this is a, a tasteful unit one, and not a like f- you know fully going off on the colors unit one. Uh, why? Why is my billing address in St. Louis? That's not. Yeah. PayPal, what are you doing to me? Um, anyway, I've, I'm making all sorts of frivolous uh, <coughs> purchases, right? <laughs> the phone's I... less frivolous, but uh, I did order the... Because they were on sale for 40% off. Uh, still way too much money when you do that. Uh, but I got all of Turn A Gundam and Utena on Blu-ray, so I can just own my two favorite anime shows. Um, uh-huh. I also I, I already I, own uh, Standalone Complex, which is the other one in the in the running. I bought um, Nora a gift this week. We got the new phones, and now these Crocs, yeah. and now like with this, I have to really cut myself off. For, for just a bit, just like maybe until like, I think two or three days after rent is due, I get my next paycheck. I got paid today and then I get another like right after rent is due. And I think maybe with that paycheck, I can have some fun. But with like this paycheck, I'm like, okay, I need to just like buy food and groceries and pay rent and I'll be fine. But I can't do much more than that, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> Which is a good place to be in. It, usually, uh... I feel like six months ago, uh, like, I would be in, like, oh, fuck, I gotta make this check stretch to make sure that rent is due, and it's like, okay, I'm, you know, mildly uncomfortable till my next check. I, that's a much better place to be in than I was a couple months ago, so. Yeah. <laughs> um. Uh. Well. Um, I was gonna say something else. Do we have and other stuff to, to catch up on? Uh, we got a seat box. Oh yeah. <laughs> I okay. I was thinking about a seat box because I got into the okay. Here's <laughs> here's here's me. I recently got into a private tracker for books. I think I may have mentioned this on the last podcast. I don't recall. Um, I got into a private tractor for downloading. Uh, I got into a, a private website where people talk about audiobooks that they enjoy. 
uh, and, and ebooks and comics, and people just talk about them, and it's just a private website, and there's no sort of downloading of anything involved. I don't know why mm-hmm. I said that a minute ago. Um, and since then, I've had so many uh, books that I've been purchasing that I've been so excited about that I was like, well, I need places to put this. I'm running out of storage on my computer um, because I have so many books and, and uh, my my DVD rips of Deep Space Nine that I have that I ripped from my own personal DVDs that I own and um, all this stuff. And I was like, I think I want a seed box, but I think I'm in the throes of like a mental illness. Let me just dump all my like bad feelings into this brand new project that I'm all excited about. Yeah. Um, and, as you do. And, as you do. And I was like, let me sleep on this. And the next day I messaged you and I was like, hey, I'm thinking about this, but I think I'm just dumping my my mental illness into this project. And you were like, no, this actually solves problems for the podcasts that we do. Yeah. <laughs> like, this actually, like, makes our podcast work easier. And then I'm like, oh, well, I'm losing money not getting this, <laughs> not spending $30 a month on this. Um, I mean, the um, other thing that could solve the problem is that I just have less stuff on my, my Plex. But I've got all my off. rips of DVDs. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> I actually do have real rips of DVDs. That part is not a bit. I do actually have rips of DVDs that I ripped mm-hmm. myself that are on Plex. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and also when when we will get Blu-rays for the movies we're going to watch uh, mm-hmm. and then rip them up to Plex as well. Um, mm-hmm. All of that stuff. Uh and audacity i have uh, it still is called bad audacity because it's just um when i edit i i either like if i make like two changes i have to like save and close it or if i don't do that and i forget i will go to save it and it will be like you need to find a hard drive that has like at least 50 gigabytes of free space to be able to save this 10 gigabyte file and i'm like fucking why right um 10 gigabytes is also a lot bigger than those files used to be for me. Um, Mm -hmm. But uh, so like every, basically every week, like I, I get to, um, it was usually Fridays and I would just be like, okay, well let me like, uh, you know, back up like this stuff, delete stuff off of my hard drive so that like, I'm going to record podcasts again and i i just won't have to worry about audacity because if i don't do this um now then it could be a problem and then sometimes i still because i'll keep like you know a few things or maybe i'll download uh or i mean uh totally legally rip uh blu-rays that i already own um right something else and then i have to like do hard drive management again um you know, like if I rip all of my Blu-rays of, say, Victory Gundam, uh, which I totally mm-hmm. legally have, um, then, yeah, basically it's just like literally every week, like while I'm fin- doing work, uh, I have like backing up stuff and doing hard drive management. Um, and since we got the the seed box, I've not had to do that. So, um, would you like to know? Nice. The the combined uh, gigabyte count on our mental illness. Just like, sure, you know, yeah. the both the both of us, just like people who are like, hmm, I'm feeling depressed or anxious. I guess I'll uh, 
I have uh, seen the size of my media files on my laptop, which I think was a was around. Th- now this might include music that I didn't put on the C box, but the the media, if I go like check the data that I have on my hard drive, because it'll break it up that way, is like I think around three hundred <laughs> gigabytes. Yeah, that's but- it. The other thing, real quick, is that um, and you are uh. I'll tell you how I was planning on setting this up, and if you want to um, share in this, you're absolutely welcome to. Um, um, <clears throat> I'm going to start keeping a, a music library on the seed box so that I can just, um, like, because there's Plex has Plex Amp, which is like a music app specifically yeah. that I really like, but it's just not feasible for me to be like, you know out and about and oh my laptop went to sleep now i can't listen to any of the music i have in plexam mm-hmm. um so that's one of the things i'm looking forward to having about, about this anyway the combined just sort of weight of our i feel depressed today let me rip some dvds instead of confronting any of my problems comes out to about 854 gigabytes yeah <laughs> <laughs> Which is 39% of the uh, allotted space that we filled up in eh, two weeks. (laughs) I mean, that was just me transferring over literally everything that I have on my Plex over. Um, Mm -hmm. That's also me downloading lots of books, or, or buying lots of books, and also just, like, shit that I know I'm not watching anytime soon. Like, why did I need... Ideon on the seed box. I'm I will not watch watching that Ideon. I will watch that when I'm done with all this Gundam shit. That's like one of the you first You will ones watch Ideon considerably sooner than I will. Yeah. <laughs> um, um I should I should check because I think there's a way, I just don't know how, that I can do that Plex amp onto my my uh stereo system as well. Ooh, um, but I need to check it because, uh, and it's the the like main advantage of it basically because it, it does it with Spotify as well, and like you can just do the Bluetooth connection. But if you then set it up, you can just have it where like you don't have to connect to the stereo. It just it is connected to the internet, and you just like basically go into Spotify or whatever, and you're like, you know, start playing this on this device, and it will do it. So, mm, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then you don't have to like worry about because if you're doing if I'm doing it over Bluetooth or something, and then I like open up a Twitter video, it'll start playing the audio for the Twitter video, um, that kind of stuff. So, um, I think there's a way to do it with Plexamp too, so that'd be nice. Hmm. Well, hell yeah, I'll show you sort of the setup I've got uh, cooking for for the music stuff. Um, yeah. When, when we be, actually be excited are to again. <laughs> be excited to have a lot of uh, Nana music on there, also like a yeah. lot of Ray Earth music. <laughs> yeah. Also, that uh, I have other things I'm interested in, but I am also just going to have those all on there. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> the, these are the things that I accept podcasting with you is that there will just be like ten thousand percent more Nana in my life than I'm expecting there to be. You know. Yeah. <clears throat> Should we start the podcast? Sure.